بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته So welcome back again after what two weeks three weeks yes three weeks who wasn't here last time we met who wasn't who was not here last time we met wow mashallah okay so okay inshallah ma'alish I want to start to I don't want to keep you from because we all have work tomorrow and you know some of you have kids how many of you have kids that are okay hopefully they're asleep now yes yeah. so um, welcome to Quran Majlis and again just to refresh for the new people here the whole purpose of this gathering is to try to connect with the Quran try to kind of reflect on the beautiful meanings of the Quran in, uh, in times where many people, most people are disconnected from the Qur'an for many reasons, probably because of language, because of time, because of lack of, I don't know, teachers out there. But the, the idea is that, mashallah, this is a great effort to bring people together and let's just kind of discuss. I'm no expert on Qur'an, right? I'm not a Qur'an scholar or anything. I'm just a student of the Qur'an. I've been studying the Qur'an for the past 15 years. And I'm just here to share some beautiful ideas about the Qur'an that we can learn from and connect with life. Cool? Okay? So, um, just to kind of quickly refresh what we did last time was Surah Al-Fatiha and we talked about um, how Fatiha helps us become people, right? Who Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants us to be, right? Like for example, Bismillah ar-Rahman rahim taught us to become more like ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, more merciful, more loving, more kind. And, uh, you know, when we say Alhamdulillah Rabbil Alameen, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants us to become more grateful and so on and so forth, okay? So, um, this was one aspect of how Fatiha is relevant to our lives, is that Allah doesn't really focus much on what He wants us to do, whereas He wants us to focus on who we're being at every moment of our day. Okay? So that was one part of the discussion. The second part of the discussion, we talked briefly about the purpose of life, right? And how Surah Al-Fatiha teaches us the purpose of life. Now this question, the purpose of life, is a pretty deep and big question. Which philosophers spend many, many years trying to figure out, right? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala right there in Surah Al-Fatiha in seven verses, very beautifully, very eloquently tells us what the purpose of life is. And it's really a combination of two things. You guys remember what it is? Huh? So on one hand, you have ibadah, right? Ibadah. وَمَا خَلَقْتُ الْجِنَّ وَالْإِنسَ إِلَّا لِيَعْبَدُونَ And what's the other spectrum of it? What's the other axis? Which is the khilafah. Very good. The khilafah fil ard. And it's beautifully balanced. So you have ibadah on the vertical side because it connects you to Allah. And then you have your role on earth. Your role as a khalifa of Allah on earth. Your role in terms of your responsibilities towards humanity, towards the environment, towards the animals, towards all of Allah's creation, right? So it's a beautiful balance between iyaka na'bud, vertical, and iyaka nasta'een, horizontal, right? And then, like we said, ibadah is really this ayah that tells us what the purpose is. وَمَا خَلَقْتُ الْجِنَّ وَالْإِنسَ إِلَّا لِيَعْبُدُونَ And we have this ayah that highlights the khilafah part. إِنِّي جَاعِلٌ فِي الْأَرْضِ خَلِيفَةً Allah says. When He created Adam alayhi salam, He told us why He created him. إِنِّي جَاعِلٌ فِي الْأَرْضِ خَلِيفَةً That's our role. That's our role on earth is to basically represent Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to bring goodness to this earth, to spread goodness on this earth, to leave this world better than it was before we were born, right? That is really the meaningful part of our lives, right? We weren't born to eat, drink, sleep, have babies, party, watch movies and die. 
there's a bigger purpose behind our existence, right? Allah, wants, Allah is expecting great things from us, being, you know, different than animals, right? And so that's the beautiful balance. And then and right in the middle is really that beautiful path of Sarat al-Mustaqeem, which we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for how many times a day, at least? Yeah, 17 times a day, if you're praying five times a day. اِهْدِنَا الصَّلَاةُ الْمُسْتَقِيمُ Oh Allah, guide us to that straight path, that middle path. Notice, it's a beautiful balance between ibadah and khilafah, right? Right in the middle. It's an upward sloping line that's straight. It's simple, it's easy. صَلَاةَ الَّذِينَ أَنْعَمْتَ عَلَيْهِمْ It's the path of those who live in Naim, right? Naim really is the word for Jannah on earth, right? There's two Jannahs, by the way. There's a Jannah of the hereafter and there's a Jannah on earth. Those who live a life on Salat al-Mustaqeem will experience Jannah on earth before the Jannah of Akhirah, right? So it's this win-win attitude towards life, right? Okay, are you with me so far? I'm going fast because a lot of you have already covered this, right? And I love this word that, you know, one of my teachers came up with. A combination between bliss, which is Naim, and discipline. Blissipline, right? Because... Istiqama means to stay on a path and to try as much as you can to stick to that path and not get distracted. Because who else is on this path, by the way? Who is on Salat al-Mustaqeem? We are. We're supposed to be, but who's there? The so the prophets were there, yes, very good. But who else is there? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us in the Quran that Shaytan, Iblis, says to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, I will for sure sit very firmly on this straight path. Why do you think shaitan is sitting on that path? To, pu to push you out of track, basically, right? So that's where he is, and he does not want you to be here. That's why you need discipline to be here, right? In the, in, in the world of distraction, in the world of materialism that we live in, it's very easy to get distracted. And so you need those constant reminders. You need that discipline. You need that discipline. And we'll understand today why, why bliss? Why is it important to be in a state of bliss? And let me ask a question. Are Muslims today in a state of bliss? Look, just look at the Muslim world today. Are we in bliss? Are we in Naim or are we in Jahim? Jahim, right? And that's exactly where shaitan wants us to be. Why? Because we have left that middle path. We have left that Surat al-Mustaqeem. Does it make sense? Yes, I can't hear you. Does it make sense? Very good. So when I ask a question, respond so that I get energy from you, right? And you don't fall asleep, inshallah. Very good. So we talked about also the contrast between a shaitan al-rajim and ar-rahman al-rahim. Notice how they rhyme even, right? Shaitan al-rajim is this downward spiral, right? That starts off with boredom, which a lot of our teenagers are in now, right? They get bored very easily, right? And then it leads to pessimism, frustration, overwhelmment, disappointment, doubt, worry, blame, discouragement, anger. All these negative energies that go to hatred, jealousy, insecurity, guilt, fear, grief, depression. And what comes at the end? Death, Death or suicide, right? When you, you no longer can face reality of, of, of this negative energy, right? Which is really the... What's the word for negative energy in the Quran? Yalla, guys. What's the word for negative energy in the Qur'an? No, it's actually shaitan, by the way. Iblis is the, the being and shaitan is the energy itself, okay? So again, when you read the Qur'an, you come across shaitan, don't think of Iblis. Think of negative energy, okay? You see how Qur'an is relevant to our lives? And then shaitan wants you to be in dhulumat, darknesses. Every single one of these emotions 
is one layer of darkness. That's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He never talks about, you know, darkness in the singular. He always, you know, uses it in the plural form. Why? Because there are always layers and layers of darkness shaitan wants you to be in. Whereas Allah's path is the path of nur. And there's only one nur. There's no anwar in the Quran. There's just one nur and that is the path to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It starts off with contentment, this beautiful sense of peace. Tama'nina in Arabic, right? Anyone here doesn't understand Arabic, by the way, just so I know. Okay, so you're all cool. Okay, so I'll, I'll stick to English, inshallah. So hope, optimism, positivity, enthusiasm, passion. And then the really high frequencies of positivity is joy, freedom, and uh, appreciation, and which is really what Naim is all about. Okay? So where does Allah want us to be? Salat al ladina an'amta alayhim. He really, literally, the people of Salat al-Mustaqeem are here, right? Where does Shaitan want you to be? Shaitan wants you to be right here. Okay? Does it make sense? It's very simple. I'm, I'm simplifying things so that all of you can understand, inshallah. Okay? And I wanted to emphasize something I didn't emphasize on last time, which is this statement, إِيَّاكَ نَعْبُدُ وَإِيَّاكَ نَسْتَعِينَ Right? So the scholars of tafsir say that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent many books to many people, different times, different places. Yes or no? How many prophets did, the, did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala send to different people? Any guesses? Yeah, so in some hadith, more than 120,000 prophets, right? Pretty amazing, right? That's how much Allah wants us all to go to heaven, right? And of course, some of them were sent with books. And the, the you know, scholars say that all these books were summarized into the, the people of the book scriptures, which is known as Ahlul Kitab, right? Okay, which is the Torah, which was for who? Which people? Torah was sent to who? Yeah, Musa alayhi salam, yes. And Injil was sent to who? The Christians. And then Quran was sent to who? Yeah, so again, the, it was sent to Muhammad alayhi salam, but it was for all of humanity. That was the difference. Very important to understand this. The Torah was sent to the children of Israel. The Injil was sent to the children of Israel. But the Quran was sent to who? For all of humanity, not just Muslims. For all of humanity. Hudan linnas. Okay? Which is an exception here that we often don't really realize, right? That it's not a book for the Muslims. It's not a book for the followers of Muhammad, right? And so the scholars say that all of these books were summarized into the Quran, and all of the Quran was summarized in one surah. Which surah? Fatiha. And all of Fatiha is summarized in one verse. Which verse? Right? So there you go. You want a one line summary of the entire Quran? How many words is that? Four words summarize the entire Quran, right? If we just understood what it means. So I want to explain to you or give you an illustration of what I envision to mean, right? So most people live this life where these different colors represent what, do you think? Emotion. Different areas of your life, right? So you have social, you have work, you have relationships, you have your... If you're spiritual, to some extent, you have your spirituality. You see here? There's like a, a small compartment for spirituality. Then what else do you have? You have your health. You go to the gym. You take care of your health. You have your, um, what else? Time for reading, studying. Yes, intellectual growth. So I just put up different colors for different roles of your life. And this is the typical person today. Yes or no? Yes? So there you are, and this is your life around you. And maybe Allah gets a portion of your life, right? Now, is that what Iyaka Nabudu Iyaka Nasta'in means? Not really, because Iyaka literally 
means that you and only you, right? And so the way I see it is people who live this kind of life are going to struggle. Why? Because you're going to be juggling with different things in your life. You are trying to be in control of your life. You're in the center. Are you going to make, are you going to have shortcomings in one of the different areas or no? Yeah. Are you going to fall off balance every now and then or no? Absolutely, right? So if you, tr- if you decide to take control of your life, if you decide to lead your life, then guess what? You are going to struggle, right? That's why most people who live this kind of life are struggling, right? Struggling with different emotional problems, different psychological problems, relationship problems, money problems, health problems, you name it. You guys agree or no? Yeah. Yes? And please, if you disagree, please, I don't mind, yani, you know? We can have a discussion. So what do I see to mean? Really this model here, right? Where instead of you being the center, you become humble and you give Allah control of your life. You make Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the center of your life. And that's really what iyaka means. Iyaka means you and only you do we worship. And iyaka also means that nobody else. Right? It's not na'budu iyaka wa nasta'in iyaka. No. Iyaka came first, which means you and exclusively you, which means sincerity, right? Purity, sincerity, no partners with you. Okay? And partners here is, is not really necessarily linked to physical idols. Inshallah, we're going to talk about as we go along this idea of shirk. What is shirk? And why is it such a big deal in the Quran? Right? Why is Allah making it such a big deal? We understand, inshallah, the psychology of shirk which is much, much, much more deeper than bowing down to an idol. Okay? Uh, so, only, do you, only you do we live for. Literally, think of ibadah as, I live for Allah. I don't live for myself. Yes? It's not about me, it's about Allah. Subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then, oh Allah, we need your constant help in every single area of our life. So, it, you see the attitude of humility that's required here? Yes? Whereas this is more satanic, right? It's a self-centered lifestyle where, where you're trying to be in control. It's all about you, your desires, your temptations, my way, my life, my family, my business, my career, my degree, my health, right? Whereas here's a different attitude altogether, right? And this is really what all the prophets came to teach. A very simple message of instead of you taking control of your life, Give your life to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And Allah will take care of all your roles. Just think about that. Who would do a better job? Can you do a better job of managing all your roles? Or would, if you give it to Allah and let Allah drive, let Allah drive, like get on the driver's wheel. Right? And you just literally sit back and relax and enjoy the ride. Which life would you prefer? Sit back, relax, and enjoy the ride, which is really the Sarat al-Mustaqim, the path of Naim. Yes? And so, this is what I see the people of Naim living in. Yes? This beautiful life where Allah is in the center and you have ease in every moment of your life. Yes? Good question. That's the like million dollar question, right? And there's no, there's no shortcut answer to it, but really following the Qur'an, following guidance. And we'll talk about it today, okay? But literally, if you want a short answer, follow his guidance. That's what guidance is for. It's a manual, it's a way of life, yes? And where do we get the guidance from? Qur'an. And we'll talk about it today, inshallah, okay? By the way, just a side note, we're not doing Fatiha today, we're doing Baqarah today, right? So it's Baqarah. So just to get you excited, okay? Um, 
We also talked about knowledge and action. Surah Al-Fatiha teaches us knowledge of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Who is Allah? Then taking action by giving your life to Allah, making Allah the center of your life. And then what's the difference between the three groups? Remember? Alladheena an'amta alayhim are people who have the right knowledge and they apply it. They have action. They take action. Knowledge plus action equals na'im. Whereas those who were angered upon, here this is usually mistranslated as Allah's angry with them. No, Allah never said Allah's angry with them. Maghdub is lil majhul, right? We don't know who's angry with them. But they have attracted anger, right? And so they have knowledge, but they decide not to act upon it. Why, why do they decide not to act upon it? Hmm? Shaitan? Why have, they, why have they rejected this? They have the knowledge, the right knowledge. Why did they reject it, do you think? Why do, why do they deserve anger? Why not? Ego, very good. Who said that? MashaAllah, very good. Okay, so ego, right? Arrogance. That's the root cause of all of this, right? And we'll talk about it at length today, inshallah. And then dhalin are misakin, people who are lost, right? Uh, people who have no knowledge, they're just acting but without knowledge, without guidance, right? And so, you know, some people classify both of these as people of hellfire and these are people going to Jannah. I honestly was thinking about it. Allah never said that, right? Allah never judged these people or these people that they're going to hell and... You were saved. No. He just gave us three classifications. So, Allahu Alam, we don't know who's going to go to hell, who's going to go to heaven. We're not there to judge, right? Maybe the Dhalin have an excuse. Ya Allah, we had no knowledge because no one taught us. Ya Allah, we had no knowledge because the Muslims did a terrible job of representing this deen. Yes or no? Then who's going to be in trouble? We are. We're going to be in trouble, right? So, let's not get into judgments because you'll read a lot of translations. Astaghfirullah, yani they will say, Maghdub alayhim hum al-Yahud, wal-Dhalin hum al-Nasara. Right? Maghdub alayhim are the Jews and Dhalin are Christians. Khalas. Like the, the translator has made a judgment unfairly, right? Is that fair? Now imagine a Christian or a Jew is reading that translation of the Quran. How is he going to feel about Islam? Is he going to be attracted to this deen? Absolutely not, right? Okay? So, very unfair translations out there. Be careful, right? I'm, I'm warning you of shallow translations. They could do more harm sometimes than benefit, okay? So, um, what's really, really cool about the Qur'an is that what surah comes after Fatiha? Guess what Allah talks about in entire Baqarah? These people here, Maghdubi alayhim, right? Surah Al-Baqarah talks about Maghdubi alayhim and guess what, which surah comes after Surah Al-Baqarah? Al-Imran, right? What does it talk about? So if you, under, you want to understand who Maghdubi Alayhim are, read Surah Al-Baqarah. You understand who Dhalin are, read Al-Imran. You see how the structure of the surahs is perfectly connected? Yes? And that's, by the way, the entire Qur'an. Yes? Isn't the surah come in different order? Correct. No, so physically, yes, maybe. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed to the Prophet before he died what the entire order of the Qur'an would be. So the Qur'anic order that you see today in your mushafs is divine. Okay? It's divine. From Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala through Jibreel, through Muhammad to us today, right? Allah chose Fatiha to be number one, Baqarah to be number two. And so it's the entire Qur'an, every single surah is beautifully connected together just like a beautiful pearl necklace. Every single surah in and of itself is beautiful, yet at the same time, it's connected to the next surah. And that's one of my attempts today. And guess what? Not only is every surah connected to the one after it, 
and the one before it, every single ayah in a surah is also a necklace, a beautiful pearl necklace. And, and hopefully through Fatiha you saw that, right? You saw how every ayah is connected to the one after it. Now in Baqarah it's going to get a bit, um, I wouldn't say complicated, but challenging to figure out this puzzle, right? It's like this code that you have to kind of decipher, right? And it makes it really fun and addictive to study Qur'an with that in mind. When you try to figure out, okay, why did Allah change topics all of a sudden? How many of you sometimes feel that the Qur'an is all jumbled up? Yeah. Yes? Anyone have ever felt that? Yes? Absolutely all related. And once you figure it out, wallahi, it's, yani, your appreciation of the Qur'an will be on a different level, inshallah. And that's one of my attempts, inshallah. Because the school of thought I follow in terms of studying Qur'an is... Uh, what's, called, what's called Nazm al-Qur'an okay? Unfortunately in the Arab world Not many scholars have gotten into this Alhamdulillah I have Pakistani origin And many many Pakistani scholars have Written in this uh, fashion right? This idea of getting the sequence Together and so Alhamdulillah you know I taught myself how to read Urdu So that I can read from those translations To share this stuff with you guys inshallah okay? So I hope you appreciate that it's called Nazm al-Qur'an. So Surah al-Baqarah, guys. How many ayat? And, you know, pr predominantly this is a Madani surah, which means it was revealed where? Medina, Minawara, right? And Mecca surahs are revealed where? Obviously Mecca, right? But what's really interesting about this surah is that part of the surah, which is actually the concluding ayat of, of Baqarah, were not revealed in Mecca nor Medina. Anyone knows where they were revealed? No? Any guesses? So they're called Ayat Samawiyya. They were actually raised or revealed to the Prophet ﷺ up above the seven heavens. Right? Which is incredible. The, the, the concluding Ayat of Surah Al-Baqarah. So inshallah, when we get there after 10 years, we'll study those surahs inshallah. Okay? <laughs> right? So um, background, Mecca versus Medina. Number one. Remember, Mecca, and who was, who was the primary audience in Mecca? Quraysh, right? The Arabs, Quraysh, Banu Hashim. Uh, whereas in Medina, who's the crowd? So there's Jews. Who else are there? Nasara, very good. And who else? Others, but there was a significant group. Hmm? Polytheists, the Mushrikeen, Akhtarshif, Mecca, Kano. Yes, we're talking about like the other group, yeah. So the Munafiqeen, very good, Munafiqeen, right? So these are the three primary groups in uh, Medina. Just for you, so for you to get a background, because we're going to be talking a lot about these groups, and we need to understand the difference between the two. Because when surahs were revealed in Mecca, they were primarily addressing these people, whereas Medini surahs were revealed to those people primarily, right? Of course, there's guidance for believers also, and the Prophet, but primarily you need to also wear those hats to see how they kind of received these ayat and how they reacted to these ayat okay that's a side tip for all of you by the way when you read the quran put yourself in the shoes of the sahaba put yourself in the shoes of the prophet put yourself in the shoes of a, of a kafir or a munafiq or a, a jew or a christian and then read the ayat and it will reveal so many beautiful meanings to you right okay so try to live that moment and wear the wear that hat on to really appreciate the ayat more so one thing you have to realize about, especially the Jews and the Christians, they were extremely, extremely knowledgeable people, right? They were very much into their books. They had scholars. They had like weekly kind of, you know how like we have the Jumu'ah every week, right? What was the day of the Jews? Sunday. And the Christians? 
Saturday is Jews and Christians. Sunday, very good. And so they're very much, you can think of them as practicing uh, Christians and Jews, right? Okay. They're very practicing. So that's the scene in Medina. So are they getting weekly reminders about Torah and Injil or no? So they're pretty much connected to their deen, yes? Whereas the Quraysh, what happened to them? They completely forgot their deen, right? That's why there are some remnants of Ibrahim salam, right? Like Kaaba and the Hajj and, you know, Safa Marwa and all these things. But primarily they completely forgot their legacy of Ibrahim. And they did this, uh, this idea of shirk and all of that. What was the primary reason for doing shirk? There, there were about 360 idols around the Kaaba. Why? Yes, so idols, basically, it, it was a, actually, it wasn't really religion, it was a big business. It was tourism, it was trade. Every single idol that was on the Kaaba represented a tribe, an Arabian tribe. And so this was their means to attract tourists into the city, right? And they made tons of money out of this. And so one of the reasons they rejected the Prophet's message is what? Money, right? If, imagine if like Quraysh decided to believe in one God, what would happen to all those idols? They would be destroyed, right? And so no more idols. They thought no more business. But little did they know. Yeah, look at Mecca today, mashallah, right? Prime real estate property. Did you guys know this? <laughs> Most expensive square foot in the world, by the way. Yes? And businesses and all of that. Yes? So they didn't do their math right. Yes? Now, again, just to, I've, I've talked about this before, but maybe just to refresh. So why, why legacy of Ibrahim? Why is it so important? Allah keeps telling the Prophet ﷺ, call them to the religion of Ibrahim. Why? Because it unites the Jews and the Christians along with the Quraysh to one common denominator who was who? Ibrahim ﷺ. So just to refresh, guys. Ibrahim ﷺ had two sons, right? He had Ishaq and Ismail. From, the, from Ishaq came the Banu Israel, the children of Israel. Yaqub's name is Israel. Israel isn't a bad word. Israel means Abdullah. Isra means Abd. Il means Allah. So Israel isn't a bad word. Okay? You're not supposed to censor it out from your discussion. Yes? And so from the 12 tribes, we have Yusuf salam among others. There was Musa salam and then there was Dawood, Sulaiman, and Isa salam. He got the Torah, he got the Injil, and then from Banu Ismail, which were the Arabs, the Prophet ﷺ got the Qur'an, right? But what message, what did Allah instruct the Prophet ﷺ to, to call them to? Did, he tell, did Allah tell Prophet Muhammad ﷺ to call the people, all of the people, to his religion? Many people think that, by the way. Absolutely not, right? Allah subhanahu wa in multiple places in the Qur'an told the Prophet ﷺ to call these people, all of them, right? The Jews, the Christians, the Quraysh, to Ibrahim, Millata Ibrahim Hanifan, literally, right? Search, search this term, you'll see so many ayat. Why? Because Allah is interested in a common denominator. And, you know, just a side note here, there's a theory out there, I don't know how true it is, but Allahu Alam, that even Hinduism was originated through Ibrahim alayhi salam. Because what's the name of the God of the Hindus? Brahma, Brahma, right? So Ibrahim, Brahma, sound familiar? Yes? And what was Ibrahim, uh, Ibrahim salam's wife's name? One of his wives, he has two. Sarah, Sarah very good. And who's Brahma's wife? Saraswati. Sarah, Saraswati. Okay. So it could be that even Hinduism was uh, originated through Ibrahim salam. So religion today really have, we've split each religion into different 
circle, and the atheists say, you know what, we want nothing to do with these religions. By the way, did you know that atheism have, have a logo? I didn't know that. I just I googled it and I found it, right? So they have their own logo, actually. But literally, like, this is what has happened, and you know, everyone hates the other. We're saying, we're going to Jannah, they're going to Nar. They're saying, we're going to Jannah, you're going to Nar. They're saying, all of you are going to Nar, and we're, there is no such thing as Jannah or whatever, right? Yes? So everyone has their own theory, and, and this life, if we continue like this, there's going to be bloodshed and hatred and uh, you know, all sorts of wars until you know, God knows when. My theory is that true Islam is really there to unite all of us together. And this was the message of the Prophet, and this was the message of the Quran. This was the Millet Ibrahim Hanifan, right? This Islam, I don't know who came up with it. It's, yani, I call it hijacked Islam because they took the name Islam and they added all sorts of complicated things. Islam is simple, it's beautiful, it's you know, um, unifying, it's tolerant, and all of these things. And Misakin, these guys, I feel sorry for them sometimes, right? Why? Because they've seen the ugly picture of religion and they've decided to be out. Have they seen true Islam? No, if they really saw true Islam, would they be interested maybe? Yes, but who's calling to true Islam today? Terrorists. Not really, no. So terrorists are right here, right? And again, that's a different discussion, but you got it, yes? So this is like the wrong Islam, yes? And so people aren't really calling to here, right? We're, we're sometimes, like parents, be careful. Don't te teach your children Islam. Don't teach them this Islam, please. Because it's just going to make them more hateful and more intolerant and more, we're going to Jannah, everybody else is going to Nar. No, teach them about humanity. Teach them about the middle path. Teach them about Millet Ibrahim, because that's the message of the Quran. Okay, yes? Hanifan, very good question. Hanifan means pure, it also means inclining towards the truth. Okay? Um, but that is really the, the, the pure way, you can call it, right? The al-fitrah. Right? Kullu mawludun yuladu al-fitrah, the Prophet said. Every human being is born into this. We're born with love, we're born with uh, compassion, we're born with peace, we're born with humility, and all these beautiful qualities, right? But then, Religion corrupts it. So, you know, I, I'm not a believer that Islam is actually a religion. Does it sound blasphemous? Islam is not a religion, by the way. Islam is a way of life. It's an attitude. Islam has no boundaries, right? Yes. We have created these man-made boundaries around Islam, right? But these are all man-made. If you read the Quran, it is a, a pure message that's a, it's actually a way of life, it's an attitude, it's a way of thinking, it's, it's a philosophy, right? Yes, it's not really a religion, okay? Uh, now you understand why do we do these talks in private, yes? <laughs> okay, good, very good. So, um, the truth, let's understand some psychology now, okay? Because before getting to Baqarah, you need to understand the psychology of the people in Medina, okay? So, truth comes, you have two options, either you accept it and you become what? If you accept it, you become a Muslim. Very good. And if you deny it, then, you know, there's different reasons. Now, why, why are some of the reasons you would deny the message? Number one, arrogance, like we said. Yes, primarily people of Quraysh, they denied it for arrogance. By the way, even the people of the book, like the Jews and the Christians, some of the scholars denied it. Why? Yeah, they would lose power. They would lose influence. You know, they would lose... Followers, like in, in you know, Instagram, 
like uh, grammar, right? Imagine like them telling all their people, Khalas, you follow Muhammad Sallallahu What would happen to their following? Would anyone follow? Khalas, they, they would lose popularity, yes? Okay, so power, influence, all of those, those things. So part of that was, you know what? Hatta there was racism. We're from the lineage of Banu Ishaq. He's from Banu Ismail. So there was racism. How can, how can Allah choose an Arab? I thought we were the chosen people, right? And so there was this racism also involved in it. So they weren't really pure. The, the books made them dry. The books made them lose spirituality, right? And uh, that's why Allah sent Isa with a spiritual message to bring back that balance, right? And the Quran is a beautiful balance between intellectual food for our you know, minds and spiritual food for our souls. It's a beautiful balance between the two. But there are, there's another reason for denial, which is ignorance. You deny it simply because either you have misinformation or you have missing information. Remember these two. What's the difference between the two? Okay, so maybe misconceptions. You heard something that's not really true that you believed because you didn't verify it. Or you simply are missing that information, right? So in, in this case, who do we blame, by the way? Because that's a disease of the mind, right? Arrogance. This is a disease of, I don't know, is it like, so do we blame Muslims maybe for that? That we are the reason why most people have a lot of missing information and misinformation? Okay, I would say part of the blame may be Muslims, yes. But who else? Ourselves, absolutely, right? Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the first thing He revealed to us is what? Iqra, right? With Iqra, you're supposed to not become an ignorant person, right? Ignorant people, and by the way, you want to know something really cool? You know where I came up with this uh, structure from Surah Al-Fatiha? How? Who can tell me? الَّذِينَ أَنْعَمْتَ عَلَيْهِمْ غَيْرِ الْمَغْضُوبِ عَلَيْهِمْ وَلَضَّالِينَ you see how amazing this is, right? So I'm not making stuff up. It's just really kind of uh, connecting the dots together, right? And so dalin are people who are lost. Why? Either because of, like we said, misinformation, missing information, maybe from their own laziness. Some people are just lazy. Some people are ignorant because they can't be bothered to read. Yes or no? Yes? Does it make them evil people? Yeah. No, they just have a, a messed up priorities in their life. Yes? And so um, should we label them as... People of hellfire? No, absolutely not, right? Yes? They simply don't know, right? Or they have a lot of misconceptions. And by the way, there's a lot of like even so-called atheists out there. There's two types of atheists, by the way. How many of you know an atheist friend or someone? Yes, I expected that, right? Yes, so about 50% of you, which is quite shocking for many of you, right? But this is the reality, right? I deal with it on a day-to-day -day basis. I actually, you know, have very close friends who are atheists now. Why? There's, there's two types of atheists, by the way. Serious, remember the serious atheist or an atheist who just wants to play. What's the difference between the two? A serious atheist is genuinely looking for answers. And a, an atheist who wants to play is someone who really has a lot of temptations and desires and laziness. And he can't be bothered to follow all the rules and the Quran and all of the spirituality and all this stuff. So he's like, you know what? I'm an atheist. So it's like an easy way out, you know? Now, guess what percentage of atheism today is players versus serious? 
Throw out numbers. I'm just interested to see. How many are players and how many are serious thinkers who are searching for the truth? So 99% is actually one of the numbers that came out from one of the top um, activists in this field, right? Uh, 99% are players. 1% are genuine, right? And wallahu alam, I, I, I truly believe, remember that middle uh, Islam? Yes, I think true atheists, like actual seekers of guidance, they actually naturally, lead, Allah leads them to that fitrah. So you don't see them as Muslims, like so-called Muslims with a beard and a hijab and all that, but they, bil fitrah, they, they actually reach to that true guidance of true Islam simply because they're genuine and sincere. And we'll talk about that today, right, in Baqarah, yes? Yes, yes, beautiful way of looking at it, yes, absolutely. So, guess what these guys do, by the way? By the way, are there people who hate Islam? Yes, right, don't deny that. There are people who actually genuinely hate Islam, enemies of Islam, you can call them, right? Do they exist today? Absolutely, right? You've heard the term Islamophobia. Who's behind it? It's these people, right? So they're forces that are, of course, driven by that negative energy, right? Shaitan, yes? Min al-jinnati nas. Yes, jinnah are things that are unseen, by the way. It's not jinn. Jinnah is unseen evil forces. And nas are people, evil people, okay? So these guys, what's the, in their benefit? What's their agenda? It's to spread the truth about Islam or to invest in more and more ignorance about Islam? Yes, so this is what this arrow is really telling us, is that Think of these as, think of this model as like a pyramid, right? Where you have, the, have you guys heard of the Freemasons? Yeah. Yes? So you've heard of the pyramid and all that kind of stuff, right? The, yeah, exactly. So who's sitting at the top of the pyramid is these guys. I, I call them the evil elite. Allah calls them Al-Mala'. Whenever you read the word Al-Mala' in the Quran, it means the evil elite at the top who control everything, right? And then who are these poor people? The, the sheep. The blind followers, right? The victims. Okay. And so they are at the bottom of the pyramid. They are the enslaved. Yes? I have a question mm. around, let's say those that accept the truth. Mm-hmm. And they have, mashallah, like certain positions and then they preach. Uh, they're shukhteen, they're respected in society. But sometimes, yani, I feel like they recycle a lot of information <coughs> Mm-hmm. Where do they fall into this? Um, so I, I don't know, I mean, maybe a bit of ignorance. Maybe a bit of ignorance. You're right, th- that group does exist. Allahu alam. I mean, uh, again, it's not black and white, right? You can have a combination, yes? There's a lot of shiukhdeen who have arrogance, by the way. Yes or no? Yes? Uh, so it could be a combination. Yani, human beings are quite complicated. But I agree, there's a lot of people out there who are doing a lot of damage in the name of Islam and it's, yeah 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 al exactly so we have very few ulama today we have nuqala right nuqala not ulama we have people who 
عن فلان عن فلان عن فلان عن فلان سمعت فلان عن فلان عن فلان right they've memorized Bukhari Muslim Quran they've memorized all these books they can quote you hadith like that they can quote you you know um, the, the saying of a you know alim flani and this and that they've memorized fatawa ibn taymiyyah and everything and then they don't think they've just memorized right and today alhamdulillah we have google we don't need to memorize anymore yes you can search yes you have apps today okay so um, but good question inshallah see all of these questions that you have Wallahi, if, if you stay with us, inshallah, all of these answers, one by one, Allah will knock them down, right? Not me. You, you just see how Allah speaks in the Qur'an and, and all of these questions will be knocked down one by one, inshallah, okay? So, um, so what was the message? It's beautiful, simple message of peaceful submission, yes? Not forceful submission. The Prophet ﷺ would tell the Sahaba to tell the people, Aslim, Taslim. Accept and you'll be at peace. Accept this message and you'll be at peace. That's it, that's what Islam is, right? You want, everyone wants peace, right or no? The, the, one of the most valuable things that every human being is after is peace. How many of you agree? Yes, yes that inner peace and even external peace, right? Yes? And so that's what is, this deal is all about. This is, the, uh, this is the product the prophets are selling, peace. And I always say this, we have like the most beautiful product, the most amazing product in the world, but the worst marketing. And what about Shushu? Shushu Shaitan, basically, yeah? nickname for Jean. What about Shushu? He has the, the most dangerous and the worst product in the world, but the best marketing in the world, right? So if you have kids or if you're trying to study something, study marketing. We need to... Get our act together in marketing. We suck at marketing, unfortunately, right? Okay. Um, so what's the message? Very simple. Believe in this one God. Believe in the re revelation, the Quran and all the books. Believe in all the prophets. Believe in Yom Al-Qiyamah, right? This hereafter. Belief, and, and of course values, which is akhlaq. And in akhlaq, I put down some things like, you know, gratitude, purity, love, peace, and humility. You know? Very simple message. Yes or no? <coughs> Okay, uh, and so it seems like a good product. And the Prophet ﷺ came with this product. He sold it in Mecca, it got rejected. Sold it in Medina, got rejected. Why? If you think about the benefits of this, it gives you a sense of purpose. Is it a good thing or a bad thing? Yes or no? Good or bad? Good. What about freedom? It gives you freedom because when you worship Allah alone, you become free. When you worship many idols, when you do shirk, you become enslaved to multiple things. Enslaved to your desires, enslaved to drugs, enslaved to addiction, enslaved to pornography, enslaved to money, enslaved to materialism, enslaved to what people think, enslaved to society, enslaved to your emotions and your fears. But Allah came to give us freedom, yes? And then this freedom gives you courage. Because you, when you believe in Allah alone, you become fearless. And that gives you courage, okay? And, you know, it makes you responsible because you believe in Akhirah. Right? So there's a sense of time and value of time. And you know what? I have responsibility. I'm a Khalifa. Yes, Allah wants me to be happy and to be joyful and loving. But I have a responsibility. Right? And then, of course, this idea of justice and love. Beautiful things. Right or no? These are the products of this message. Are these good products? Yeah. Yes? So why did Quraysh reject it? Why did Medina reject it? 
simply because of this idea of money, power, pride. They didn't want accountability. They didn't want anyone telling them what to do. They didn't want rules. And subhanAllah, it's fitra, right? Like, we don't like rules. That's why we don't like school, right? We don't like homework. We don't like the principal in school. We don't like the cops who stop us at the red light. Yes? Because we don't like rules. But this deen came with some rules for our own benefit. By the way, side note, are there many rules in the Quran? Okay, again, a survey. What percentage of the Quran are rules? Give me numbers. Five, what five? 32%? Yalla. What do you think? What percentage of the Quran are ayat that have to do with halal, haram, right, wrong? 1%? No, so entire Quran, just give me a number, like on average. So someone has actually done the, like the math, right? 7% of the Quran are laws, like halal, haram, right? And 93% is all just values, teachings, wisdom, right? Isn't that cool? Yes? So the Quran is not a book of laws, right? Um, and then of course, this idea of authority, they didn't want authority and ego. You want to summarize all of why they rejected this message? It's really ego. And that's the sin of Iblis, right? He didn't do sajda to Allah, why? Because of? Ego, simply, right? Um, so that was just brief context. Ready to get into Baqarah now? Or are we done? It's time over. So that was a pretty long introduction, but I think it was necessary. Yes or no? Yes. yes? Okay, very good. So, Alif Lam Mim. A'udhu Billahi Mishtar Rajeem. Bismillah Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim. Alif Lam Mim. Thalika Al-Kitabu La Rayba Fihi Hudan Lil-Muttaqeen. Al-Ladheena Yu'minuna Bil-Ghaybi Wa Yuqimuna Al-Salata Wa Mimma Razaqnaahum Yunfiqoon. والذين يؤمنون بما أنزل إليك وما أنزل من قبلك وبالآخرة هم يوقنون أولئك على هدى من ربهم وأولئك هم المفلحون First introduction of Fatiha of Baqarah right after Fatiha right um, My goal is to hopefully finish the first ayah today okay. What's the first ayah? So inshallah, make dua that we are able to finish the first ayah today, okay? That's a challenge. By the way, what time are we like expected to be done? Like, like nine-ish, yani? Okay. Okay. So um, again, for those of you who are, who are here, to, like excited about finishing Baqarah, it's not going to happen anytime soon. Right? Ten years, maybe, inshallah, you know? Lana, you know, I feel that and by the way, that's how Sahaba studied Baqarah, by the way. People like you know, Abu Bakr Siddiq studied Baqarah over 10 years, right? Okay? So, you know, doing like a quick flowing through the Quran is not going to do justice. And inshallah, you'll see the benefit of when we go deep, okay? We'll talk about that. So, Alif Lam Mim. There's like four different ways to understand what Alif Lam Mim is. I'll go for, over every single one of them, inshallah. So, number one, remember that the Prophet was what? And Nabi al-Ummi. What does Ummi mean? Doesn't read or write. Why did they call him Ummi? Because it's as if you're, you came from al-Umm, which is your mother, right? So when you come out of your mother's womb, can you read or write? No. So they call him al-Nabi al-Ummi. And in fact, the people of the book use this as an excuse not to follow him. They said, how can we, the scholars, 
the learned people, the people who know how to read and write, follow a prophet who can't even read a book or write anything. Yes? Yes. Yes. Okay. So, so the unlettered prophet. Okay. Now, if you think about the letters, right? Alif, Lam, Mim. Yes. Okay. Sure. Share with us. Mm-hmm. Okay. Sounds good. Could be. Could be. Inshallah. You know. Uh, but again, he could speak many languages. We never said he couldn't speak. We just said he cannot read or write. That's what Ummi means. Could not read nor write. But of course, speaking, he knew a lot of poetry. He you know, appreciated poetry. And um, he was a master in language. Yes? No, you don't necessarily have to know how to read or write. By the way, back then, Mokanfi printing press. So realize that reading wasn't really that important. And sometimes we don't realize this fact. They didn't have Mus'haf, didn't have mushaf that they used to read, you know, every day. No, it was like memorizing the hearts and, you know, it was poetry. It was, they used to write on leaves and leather, skin and rocks and that kind of stuff, right? Okay, so writing and reading wasn't really that Big of a deal, exactly. It wasn't that common. And you didn't need it. You needed one scribe for an entire village sometimes. Okay? Um, now, one thing is, when you first start learning a language, what's the first thing the teacher teaches you? A, B, C, D. Okay? So, for, for the Quraysh especially, right? And, and even for the people of the book, right? The, like, think of both audiences now, Mecca and Medina. These ayat are coming down where this prophet who can't read or write is all of a sudden reciting letters A, B, C, D. When, when your child starts saying A, B, C, D, E, F, G, what do you conclude? What do you conclude? They're learning, <laughs> They're learning from who? Yeah, someone's teaching them, okay? you conclude that someone is teaching them. Maybe it's an app, maybe it's cartoons, whatever it is, but they're getting this information. Could you like out of the blue start saying A, B, C, D, E, F, G? No, it has to come from a teacher, right? So this is the first point here, is that this prophet, the so-called man who claims to be a prophet, definitely has a teacher. Because people back then didn't say A, B, C, D, F, G. They just knew poetry, they would like, use beautiful literature and language, but they never used letters in that sense, you see? Nobody broke them down. If they saw Alif, Lam, Mim written down, how would they pronounce it? Alam, right? Alam, pain or whatever, right? No one ever spoke like that during those times. So this was uh, like very new and very unique to them. So. Allah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala responds to this by telling us that Ar-Rahmanu al-Qur'an And so when the, you know, the, the audience heard this ayat They actually thought that the, that the Prophet had a teacher whose name was Ar-Rahman And he was the one who was teaching him Qur'an You see, they're they trying to like logically make the like, They did the math and the, they thought the name of this teacher is Ar-Rahman They didn't they didn't do the connection that Ar-Rahman is, is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They thought this teacher is Ar-Rahman. So in a way they realize that this, this language, this, this ayah itself is not something that can come from the Prophet himself. You see, that's what I'm trying to get to. Is that point clear?
Yes? It must be coming from an external teacher. And is there a difference between teaching and speaking? Because Allah didn't say, Ar-Rahmanu Qara'a, right? Allama. What, what does Allama mean? Teaching, right? Is there a difference between teaching and speaking? What's the difference? Okay. Yes, and, and what's the difference between like a speaker and a teacher? Who's, whose job is more easier? Speaker, right? You just come, you give a talk, 15, 20 minutes. Yes. Teaching, and, and teaching requires helping the recipient understand the knowledge, right? And that's why, I don't know what you guys think, but you know, I feel that like, I, have, I have more passion in teaching. I want to help you guys get the message, right? Otherwise, I would talk for 20 minutes. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. And I'll be out of here, right? But the reason I put these slides together and, and we're going in depth is why? Because I want to teach you guys. I want to help you guys understand this message. There's a big difference. And so Allah is telling us, remember we had this question last time? How do I study the Quran? How do I, which tafsir do I read? Which translation do I read? Who do I listen to? Do you have any recommendations? Allah is taking credit for that. Allah is telling us, you want to learn the Qur'an, come to me. Not only will I read the Qur'an onto you, I will teach you. I will make sure you understand it. You see? So, how many of you guys believe that? You, yeah, yes? Because a lot of people have doubts. No, but how come? How will I understand? No, but Arabic is difficult. No, but no, I can't. Uh, uh, right? Understand it all. So yes. Really, you understand. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Yes. Barakallah feek. Yes, so um, just like, you know, there's many people who didn't come up today. They didn't show up today, right? They were expected to come. They didn't show up. Why didn't they show up? It wasn't meant to be for them to be here today. It wasn't their day. How come you guys showed up? It's meant to be. You're here. You're ready to learn this stuff today. Again, we're not judging those people. Oh, they're not ready. We're more advanced than them. No, astaghfirullah, right? Maybe they already know this stuff. That's why they're not here. Yes? But Allah has this divine plan and we don't understand how that works, right? So there's a unique style to the way uh, Alif Lam Mim is pronounced. And so the, when the Prophet would say Alif Lam Mim, the response from those, like the audience, whether it's Mecca or Medina, was, What in the world is this man saying? We never heard this before. It's, and it would raise questions, right? It was, it was like this. Um, you know, confusion. Where is this man getting this from? Right? They don't get the answers, but just raises this thought in their minds. That's one way of looking at that. And the other one, which is really amazing also, is this idea of student orientation. And pay attention to this. Very important. You know how like when you first go to college, uh, you spend like sometimes a couple of months or a semester doing what? Orientation. Yes or no? What's the point of orientation? To prepare, right? So, Alif Lam Mim also could be seen as orient, student orientation. You want to become a student of the Qur'an? Lesson number one is Alif Lam Mim. What is lesson number one? The fact that if you truly want to benefit from the Qur'an, then lesson number one is you have to realize that there are going to be things that you will never know. Because if you read a lot of tafsir, what does Alif Lam Mim mean? Allahu A'lam. Allahu A'lam, Allahu A'lam. Really, like many Mufassirin have written that. Allahu A'lam, we don't know. 
and they call them huruf al-muqatta'at, which I don't like. Of course, I think it's disrespectful, right? These are, these are ayat. You can't call them huruf muqatta'at. It's such a like, ugly word to use, right? But Allahu A'lam gives you that humility. Because, you know, hum- us, especially in the information age we live in, we sometimes feel empowered with knowledge. Yes or no? But in front of the Qur'an, Allah is teaching us, listen, put your knowledge ego aside when you come to this book. Only then will you benefit from it. Okay? And number two, respect Qur'an as an authority. Qur'an is unlike any other book. Like, you know, sometimes we read books, New Age books, spirituality books written by people from the East or the West, and, you know, we sometimes criticize them and, you know, we discuss them in book clubs and stuff like that. Yes or no? And I like his point, I like this point, but that point, I don't really like it. Can you do the same with the Qur'an? No. You know. Do people do that though sometimes? And so Allah's teaching us that if you come with an attitude of arrogance, an attitude of, you know how like customers always write, and you know, if this book doesn't do what I need, then I don't need this book, or I'll take part of it and leave part of it. Yes, that attitude will never, ever, ever benefit you because you're missing the first lesson of Qur'an. Yes, okay. You have a question? Yeah. MashaAllah. Please. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I got goosebumps also as you were talking. Yeah. So yeah, absolutely. And that's like lesson number one, right? Remember, let Allah drive the wheel. Let go. You don't know. Stop trying to figure out the next step. Yes. Great question. Uh, simple answer, go to the Qur'an and look at what Allah says about the hijab. Okay? Inshallah, when we get to the ayat of hijab, we'll talk about it at length. And it'll be going to be shocking revelations for most of you, right? But the word hijab in the context of this hair thing that you're wearing, doesn't exist in the Qur'an. Okay? The word hijab in the context of this thing that you wear on your head does not exist in the Qur'an. It's man-made, right? We, like, people have made it up, okay? So he talks about al-khumr and jalabi bihin and other things we'll talk about inshallah but you want the answer go to Allah because people will yes yes sure. please yes yes mm-hmm. it's a challenge Very good. Yes, good points. But again, I would say go back to Quran. And, and this, you know, this attitude of Ana Mufaqiha, Ana Ma'arf, La, Lazma Afta, Asal Sheikh Flani. La, stop it. 
You can, you can actually, if you approach, if you're sincere, Allah will open doors for you. Quran is easy. You have like advantage over 99% of over the world, right? Yes. So there are ways to, inshallah, inshallah, as you, as you go along, like my intention is for you guys to be able to become students of the Quran yourselves, right? Yes. Not just depend on this once a week, Fahad will teach us spoon feeding. No. You guys can, inshallah, take your own journeys towards us. And, you know, wallahi, it's, it's, it's a beautiful journey. But just one thing I want to share, because this comes up a lot. It came up last time. Listen to this ayah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, فَبَشِّرْ عِبَاد بَشِّرْ means good news. بَشِّرْ عِبَاد Who are these people? الَّذِينَ يَسْتَمِعُونَ الْقَوْلِ فَيَتَّبِعُونَ أَحْسَنَةِ Those who listen to all speech, but they follow the best. And that following the best is really that heart that you're talking about. Follow the heart and all that. But listen, you can listen to everybody and follow the best of it. And Allah says, أُولَٰئِكَ الَّذِينَ هَدَاهُمُ اللَّهِ وَأُولَٰئِكَ هُمْ Ulul albab. Those are the ones who are truly guided, and those are the people of true sound knowledge. Okay. Yes. It's not exactly. It's not. Um, yes, absolutely. It's not black and white. It's not black and white. To likes. But again, there's so much misinformation about these things like, like that, this hijab thing right? so many so much misinformation out there that we program to think certain way, in a certain way without verifying Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says after teaching us Quran Ar-Rahman Allam Al-Quran what did he say? خلق الإنسان علمه البيان he taught you bayan what is bayan? bayan is actually the ability to distinguish right from wrong tabayan means to, to distinguish what's right from what's wrong he taught you this so don't say I don't know don't say, I, I don't have the skills. No, he taught you this. Okay? Allah is saying that. And then this is also super important, guys. Part of student orientation with the Quran is, you've got to have this attitude of, I'm desperate for guidance. Desperate for guidance. If you're like, ah, Quran, no Quran, doesn't make a difference. Okay, I'll attend this dars, but you know, yeah, it was nice. No. Desperate for guidance is really the attitude that will give you the fruits of this, um, this book. And you know, Allah uses the analogy uh, of rain in the Quran. Right? I, I posted an Instagram about this uh, a few days ago when it rained. And خلاص جنة rain خلاص for the year, right? Yes? But Allah says, وَهُوَ الَّذِي أَنزَلَ مِنَ السَّمَاءِ مَاءً And so, what did He send down? Rain from the sky. And we all know water is part of Human survival, right? We need water to survive. Similarly, Allah anzal shaytani min sama. What else? Quran, right? Anzal al Quran, right? And so Allah is drawing like a beautiful metaphor between rain and Quran, between water and Quran. Just like you need water every day, just like your body needs water to stay alive, that's the attitude you should have with the Quran. Without Quran, I'm spiritually dead. Yes? Pretty amazing, isn't it? And so that's the attitude. And so what's student orientation doing? It's giving you a different kind of mindset and heart set. It's two different things, by the way. Mindset, heart set. Humility, being desperate for guidance, and respecting this authority. 
Al-Quran is a kitab that's, you know, is, is the authority. What does that mean? That it's above everything else you will ever read. Because it's Allah who's speaking. Okay? So that attitude should be there, that care should be there. Does this mean we can't ask questions? Of course you can, right? That's part of Iqra, actually. Allah wants you to ask questions, but the attitude should be a respectful attitude. Yes? The third one is controlling your curiosity. This is such an important topic that the Muslims have is like a disaster when it comes to this, right? This idea of controlling your curiosity. Because, you know, Alif Lam Mim, what does it do? It, create, it creates curiosity. Right? What does this mean? And you know what some ulama have done? And many people do is you go on this journey, the spiritual journey to discover what Alif Lam Mim means. And you spend the next 10 years of your life trying to discover what Alif Lam Mim means and you're doing research. And but what have you done? You have sidetracked, yes? You have missed, missed the point. And so sometimes we get lost in the details. There are cer certain things that Allah has intentionally not revealed to us in clarity, which is called al-mutashabihat. So there's two types of ayat in the Quran. You guys need to know this, very important. Al-muhkamat, which are clear you know, ayat. There's no like, ambiguity in them. And there's mutashabihat. Mutashabuh, right? There's, it could be this meaning, it could be that meaning. So muhkamat, mutashabihat. Again, what's the first one? Say it in Arabic. Muhkamat. And the second one? Mutashabihat. Very good. Mutashabihat could have multiple meanings. Could, you know, what does nurun ala nur mean? You read a thousand different versions of what nurun ala nur means. So that's a mutashabihat. They're all beautiful. Okay? Think of it like a garden with like, uh, you know, mango trees, apple trees, strawberries. All are beautiful, right? But there are certain things like mutashabihat. Allah is one. Or sorry, muhkamat. Allah is one. Akhirah, prophethood. You know, love, being loving, being Rahman, Rahim, being fair, being peaceful. All of these things are muhkamat. So sometimes we get lost in the details. Now this ayah is like such a beautiful ayah, which highlights this marad. There's this disease today out there where people are obsessed with the mutashabihat and they're ignoring the muhkamat. Okay. So Allah says, "Huwa ladi." أَنزَلَ عَلَيْكَ الْكِتَابَ مِنْهُ آيَاتٍ مُحْكَمَاتٍ Some of them are ayat muhkamat. هُنَّ أُمُّ الْكِتَابِ These are the essence of this book. These are the essence of the Qur'an. And then he says وَأُخَرَ وَأُخَرُ مُتَشَابِهَاتٍ And there are some that are مُتَشَابِهَاتٍ Now pay attention to the language. Allah says فَأَمَّا الَّذِينَ As for those those who have this disease in the heart called Zayg, we'll talk about it when you get there. Really interesting stuff. Because there are different types of disease of the heart. There's Zayg, there's Ran, there's Marad, there's Khatam, and, and many other things. Really, really exciting stuff. As for the people who have a disease in the heart, what will they do? They follow only the Mutashabihat. That's all they're, they're interested in. Okay? Why? Why? Because they want to create fitna. They want to create this enmity among people. And they want to have this right and wrong and you know, ego attitude, right? Where they want to prove themselves right. So, they're trying to, their intention is to try to explain what this, these verses mean. Mutashabihat, okay? Yes? 
Okay, let's read. Very good, very good. So, mutashabihat are verses that are unclear, ambiguous. They can have different meanings. Vague. Yani, I give you an example of nurun ala nur. Can someone else give us an example of a mutashabihat? مثلا حور عين كأمثال اللؤلؤ المكنون right ولدان مخلدون in Jannah who can explain to me for sure what ولدان مخلدون means Allah says you'll hear the translation young boys who will live forever is that, is that true يعني is that necessarily like 100% true no حتى حور العين what does it mean we don't know right is it male is it female is it both they say who they <laughs> we don't know, right? Again, mutashabihat. We don't know. So these things are things that there's no point in getting into and like debating because they are mutashabihat. Okay? Lahu um, al-hadith, for example. We'll talk about it later on. Lahu al-hadith, right? People say, ah, oh, musiqa, haram. Lish, lahu al-hadith. Hello, lahu al-hadith is something. Musiqa is something else. The word musiqa is not in the Quran. Lahu al-hadith is distractive talk. Or evil talk, okay? Or useless talk, okay? If it could mean different things, but again, it's a, it's it's flexible to different opinions and yes. Good question. When there is disagreement, it's a mutajabihat. When there is no disagreement, it's muhkamat. Okay, is there any disagreement among the ummah of how many gods there are? And the Muslims? No. Is there any disagreement about akhirah? No. Nowadays, yes. We'll talk about it when we get there, yes? But reincarnation and all that kind of stuff, we'll talk about it, yes? Yes, yes, exactly, exactly. But think of it as essentials and things that are non-essentials, okay? Very simply. But basically those who have disease in the heart, they follow the mutashabihat. Whereas those who are truly knowledgeable, those who are truly, they have true wisdom, they say, you know what, everything is from Allah. Allahu alam, mutashabihat. Could be right, could be wrong. كُلٌّ مِنْ عِنْدِ رَبِّنَا كُلٌّ مِنْ عِنْدِ رَبِّنَا The mutashabihat, muhkamat, they're both from our, our master, but we will focus on what is the muhkamat. Okay, so another, yes, the essence, very good. Um, I'll tell you later, okay? So prioritize, guys. This is the, these are the muhkamat. Okay, and your, your question is a very good question. Remember I told you in this field the Muslims have done a terrible job? Yeah. We don't have a single book out there, Allahu Alam, maybe look up a book where someone has written, done research on what are the muhkamat with al-mushabihat. I haven't found anything yet. Okay, so maybe one of you could write a book about this one day. Right? Dedicate your life to fixing this problem because we need a book that distinguishes muhkamat from al-mushabihat. Yeah. Yes, please, go ahead. Mm. Yes. 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 Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. Okay. Very good. 
Okay. Another, another beautiful example is, you know, you guys heard Surah Al-Kahf. Okay, so how, you guys heard the story of the, the youth of the cave, Ashab Al-Kahf. How many were they? Were they four, five, six? Exactly. There were six. Mini Zid, Mini Zid, huh? Seven, come on. Exactly. Exactly, exactly, exactly. Exactly, exactly. Yes, yes, absolutely. And yeah, subhanAllah, if you read Surah Al-Kahf appropriately, Allah mocks these people. Right? He actually tells them, يَقُولُونَ سَبْعَةٌ ثَامِنْهُمْ قَلْبُهُمْ Allah is mocking them. What are you guys doing? You're missing the point, guys. You're missing this miracle that happened. And you know, some Mufassirun have actually written 10, 20 pages about what color the dog was. Wallahi, I'm not kidding. You know, was it a German Shepherd? Was it a Doberman? Was it... Wallahi, like some scholars have done this, right? And so that's what I'm trying to say is we lose the essence sometimes, right? And Quran teaches us, prioritize, right? And that's one of the problems of the Muslim world is that we are all over here, right? Remember hijacked Islam? All over here, so much confusion, doubt, fighting, and disagreements. We're missing the essence. That Millet Ibrahim Hanifan is missing. Okay? Uh, so Alif Lam Mim is teaching us this that you know what? This is a mutashabih. Guys, like, just think about this for a second, right? Is this a big deal? This concept of control your curiosity, is that a big deal? Yeah. How do we know that? Yeah, but how do you know it's, it's a big deal for Allah? No? Because Allah is starting the Quran with this lesson. Right? It's right at the beginning. So control your curiosity because Allah knows that this, if you don't follow this, your entire deen is messed up. Yes? Okay? So this is what Quran does, by the way. This is what's so beautiful about Quran is Allah sets the priorities. Right? Not human beings. Not your sheikh deen, not your school. No. What is the priority? Allah, Allah says, Alif Lamim, this, this ayah here is number one priority in the Quran. Right? You get your student orientation, you understand this idea of context, and then you understand your curiosity. And then there are some cool discoveries. We're nearly done, inshallah, okay? And this is my favorite part, by the way. Um, I, you know, just some research. So there's this uh, guy named Lu'ay al-Sharif. How many of you heard of him? None of you, huh? Wow, okay. I thought everyone would raise their hands. But he became very popular on Snapchat because he's متخصص في اللغة العبرية like Hebrew and Aramaic and Syriac and he does, his theory is that Alif Lam Mim, Ha Mim, Yasin, Ain Sin, Qaf these are all حروف مقطعات in the Quran. His theory is that these are all originally from like letters from the Hebrew language. And so he deciphered the code. And he has this uh, website called Morphix where he actually wrote down Alif Lam Mim in Hebrew, right? And when you translate it, guess what comes? Silence, speechlessness. So, you know, he came up with this, uh, mashallah, tafsir, Allah starting off by telling us to learn to be still, right? Be silent. And for those of you, how many of you do like meditation and stuff like that? Okay? Huh? Mumkin, mumkin, طبعاً, متشابهات, but it's a beautiful متشابه, right? Remember like we said, it's a garden, right? So you walk in and you're like, wow, beautiful. 
I'm not gonna spell like, Okay, he's passionate about this, but I'm just sharing with you some things to make you appreciate the depth of the Quran, right? Just in these three letters. Yes. Exactly. So you see it from your own lens, right? Like I would never do research on Hebrew and all that. It's not me, right? I'll show you, I'll share with you later on what interests me. Okay, that's coming up, inshallah. So silence, speech, uh, speechless. You know how like when you start a talk, silence. A teacher is about to start. Shh. It's beautiful, right? It makes sense. Okay. Is it the ultimate truth? No, right? But it's just a beautiful discovery. That's why I titled this section, Cool What? Discovery. So it's not the ultimate truth, guys. Okay. Another very, very cool insight is that, and this is, I know we connected to La'ay's work, right? Where every letter, by the way, in, in the Arabic, they have like uh, symbols for each letter. Okay? And so, um, Alif is an ox, basically. Okay? Alif. Lam is ox goad. Anyone knows what an ox goad is? It's basically the stick that's used to guide the ox. Okay? And then meme is water. Can anyone do the math and, and like figure it out? Yes, yeah, so basically the ox is being guided to the water, right? And the next ayah is It's talking about guidance also. So it's connected, yes? So another, some cool things also, noon actually is, uh, you know how it's written? In the Arabic language, hatta noon. It's like this thing with a nuqta, right? So it's, it's known as fish in, the, in this language, right? And so, hatta the noon looks like a fish in some creative way, you know? Nasi um, shaytaha starts with ta, right? Taha is, ta, ta is the serpent. And how is the ta written? Look at the ta, it looks like a snake, right? With the head here and the tail behind. Yes? Again, any. <laughs> Just some uh, insights, okay? Then Surah Taha talks about Musa alayhi salam's, uh, yeah, his incident with the magicians and the snake, okay? So, you know, just some, some insights. Again, some of you like this stuff, some of you like la la la, right? But again, I'm just sharing some cool discoveries. This is my favorite part, actually, is that uh, another dimension altogether is this idea of sound. Because sound is vibrations. And alif, lam, mim are sounds. Alif, lam, mim. These are sounds, okay? And so, one theory out there is that all of these huruf al-muqatta'at are actually mantras that need to be used for different kinds of healings. You guys know what mantras are? How many of you know what mantras are? Okay? For those of you who are familiar with energy and healing and that kind of stuff, this is um, used a lot for the Asian tradition, right? Like Om. You guys heard of Om? Yes? Yeah. So that's a mantra, basically. And there's many others in the Hindu tradition, the Buddhist tradition. And so. Yes. 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 Exactly, exactly. So um, uh, one theory is that actually the sound vibrations actually. Uh, help us and just to, for, for those of you who are completely like clueless about this field I just want to uh, give you some exciting uh, research done about sound and about uh, words and how words can actually affect particles and 
and change uh, certain vibrations. But this Dr. Masaru Emoto, I hope I pronounced him right, he did this water experiment where he puts water uh, in different jars and looked at them under a microscope to see what effect would happen on these uh, water particles. And so he found an astounding discovery that every single time he put down positive names to the water, this, the water particles, what you see here are water particles being shaped in beautiful shapes. This is not photoshopped, guys. These are actual images of water particles um, that are, you know, kind of assembled or structured in, in different patterns based on the word. So compassion, thank you, wisdom, truth, harmony, love, all beautiful kind of shapes. Isn't it incredible? Yes? We're made of, yes, absolutely. We're made of water. So when someone says nasty things to you, you can imagine what kind of things are going on in your body, right? That's no wonder you feel bad. Yes, um, it's coming. Yes, yes, go ahead. Yeah, so I, uh, heavy metal music, right? Noise versus compassion. Uh, I will kill you. You fool, right? Uh, water before a Buddhist prayer versus with the prayer. So there's, there's many other uh, images. You can inshallah Google it. Uh, he's written books about this also. Very, very interesting. Yes, the hidden messages of water. You can read it, inshallah. Very interesting. Yes, you want to say something? Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And yeah, all of these are beautiful mantras that you can use. So love, thank you, I hate you. I zoomed it up a bit, Okay. Uh, this experiment. How many of you have heard of this experiment where you put rice, uh, cooked or boiled rice in two jars and then you label one hate, label one love, leave them for about six, seven days. The hate jar will start rotting. And the love jar will start, or will remain pure. You guys think I'm like making this stuff up, right? Yeah. Yeah. So this is actually experimented and tried, yes? So why am I sharing? <laughs> so why am I sharing all this stuff? Is if words alone, if words alone make such impact on particles and like, because we're made of like matter and particles, right? And vibrations. So imagine when someone says something nice to you. Versus when someone says something nasty to you. Yes, these affect us a lot. Yes? I just add, you know, in quantum physics, mm -hmm. uh, they, say, they say that particles act in a different way based on how you look at them. Yes, yes, absolutely. Very good. Yes. So from that perspective, on how to prevent you could be any carla or any quad or whatever. Yes. It's because you're looking at it in that specific yes. way. Yes, yes, absolutely. The, the electrons, they move differently. Yes, good point. Good point. Yes, very good. But there's this, I've done courses on, I've studied sound and music, guys, by the way. I've done courses on that because I want to figure out about this whole, uh, you know, million dollar question, is music haram or not? So I actually studied courses about sound, about music, to really understand the, um, the reality behind it. Yes? <laughs> absolutely, absolutely, yes, yes. Mm -hmm. The birds chirping, the ocean, the wind. Mm -hmm. 
So yeah, the, the right, the, I mean, the answer to your question is it depends on many things. Depends on what type of music, depends on the lyrics. It also depends, listen to this, it depends on the intention of the creator of the music. Like one study shows that um, intention matters a lot. It makes a, a big difference. And, and the biggest example of that is, like, you know, assalamu alaikum. There's different ways of saying assalamu alaikum, right? I could say assalamu alaikum. How are you? <laughs> right? It's nice. Or I can say, Assalamu Alaikum. Right? Or Salam. Or, you know, if someone, like, yeah, there are certain people who, who talk in certain ways. They, they're saying nice things, right? But in a bad way, in a negative way. Yes? Like, Hatta, I love you. There's different ways of saying I love you, right? Oh, I love you so much. Versus, yeah, yeah I love you too. Different, right? So the intention makes an impact. Okay, that's what we're saying. So for artists, it depends. Like one of the teachers that I uh, follow, his last name is Goldman. You could look him up. He's, uh, um, one of his music albums is called Dolphin Dreams. Award winner, mashallah. Amazing stuff. I always have it in the car, right? Very soothing stuff. Uh, he uses natural sounds. It's called Dolphin Dreams. People have cured themselves from cancer or diseases or hala just from his music. This guy, he was a rock star at one point in time. And on stage, he got this epiphany. Now, Allah, what am I doing? What kind of music am I playing? What kind of impact am I giving to these people, right? Why not use this talent I have to heal people? And so he went on a 35-year journey to learn about healing through sound, right? And so today you have these practices where, you know, you can put uh, different... Um, uh, sound kind of instruments around you to kind of heal, okay? This stuff exists, okay? So we need to wake up um, to the reality. And of course, for those of you who are familiar with energy, my understanding of what energy around you is the nafs. The Quranic word for that is the nafs, okay? Which, again, either expands or, you know, uh, it's suppressed. Right? And so you have this nafs around you that has your emotions, your thoughts, your feelings, everything is around you and it's all connected to your body organs, by the way. Okay? Yes, that's again, uh, what it means. It's one of those mutashabihat because Imrat al Aziz said that. So do we take her statement or no? Right? Again, feed the beta. And then they have like energy centers in your body which are responsible for different organs. That's why your emotions sometimes make you feel like make you sick and you can heal your you know, bodily organs through emotional uh, healing. But again, يعني, music affects us whether you like it or not. Okay? That's why it's important to choose the right kind of music. If you're listening to a lot of sad songs known as the blues, right? Allah yainkum. And uh, you're going, you're, you're taking in a lot of negative energy, seriously. Or like heavy metal, rock, or rap and hip-hop and like with all the like swear words and Allah yainkum. Like I have one of my clients in coaching, right? He's like ex-drug addict who, you know, went through rehab and now is like in healing. Uh, he was sharing with me like over the summer he had a relapse. You guys know what a relapse is, right? Where you go back into that. I asked him, so 
يعني, uh, what, what triggered it? He's like, I was listening to Tupac, right? Because for him, like, that music just يعني, pumped him up. And he was like, yeah, let's do it. Let's go to the club. And, okay? ف, he, يعني, he regretted it. ف, every time he listens to that music, خلاص, that urge comes in, right? And that's why in some shopping, uh, in, in like, um, shops, like clothing shopping uh, uh, in shops, they use that kind of music, by the way. Yeah, let me buy this and that too. Yeah, and this and that. <laughs> so, this is all psychology, right? They use that stuff to, to convince you guys too. So, when I studied this stuff, I was like, يعني, um, no, I used to love music when I was like not Islamic, and then when I started my journey of Islam, like Islam music became haram, and I became like boring, and my family. So, again, it depends, depends, like we said. On uh, the the type of music, the lyrics. Again, again, uh, if you if, yes, exactly. And what does haram and halal mean? What's good for you? What's not good for you? Think of it that way, right? Stop thinking of it as Allah will punish me. Allah will not punish me. Think of halal and haram as what's good for me, what's not good for me. What works? What doesn't work? Everything Allah made haram explicitly, the muhkamat, are not good for me. So if I don't do them, I will lose out, right? It's not like Allah is, is waiting to punish you if you listen to music. Or you know, sometimes we, we forget this idea that halal is good for me, haram is bad for me, right? Halal has benefit for you, haram has harm on you. So the only loser is you if you do haram. But explicitly in the Quran, Allah has not mentioned music. So it's, and, and the beauty of our deen is by default, everything is halal, except what Allah has explicitly made haram. Right? And what are the explicit things Allah has made haram in the Quran? You can count them on your fi like fingers, right? Like, yeah. يعني, exactly. Yeah. Very few things, right? ف, um, ف, these are the huruf al-muqatta'at that are um, mentioned in the Quran. There's noon, there's qaf, there's sad, taha. You want to do like a, like a healing kind of uh, experiment? Yeah. Yes, together? Yes. Okay. For those of you who think we're weird, you can inshallah leave. Yeah, okay, come. Best. Best. No, no. I use this. I use this like sometimes in, in the morning drive to school. Me and my kids recite Yasin, Alif Lam like you know, literally for like 15 minutes. That's what. That's all we do, and they feel great. Right? It's a beautiful day for them. Um, now, what do what each one means? There are different scholars have different themes. That, for example. Yasin is for purifying your environment from evil. Alif Lam Mim is for ilm. For knowledge, again, each one is different. So let's do alif lam mim together. Yeah. Yes. So the way it works is you just basically uh, because we're a lot together, and that's one of the benefits of jama'ah, right? That's why salat al jama'ah is ajr akthar. Why? Because when vibrations together, like when you say amin together, like 300 of you, it has more impact because there's more vibrations. So we'll do alif lam mim together, inshallah. Okay. Ready? Okay. Um, I'll say it uh, three times alone, and then from the fourth one, you guys carry on with me, okay? And um, remember we said that intention, intention helps, yes? So read it with the intention of getting healing, okay? Take a few deep breaths. Relax. Let your entire body relax, all the muscles, all the cells. Had a long day, yes. 
الف لام م الف لام م الف لام م الف لام الف لام م الف لام م الف لام م الف لام الف لام م الف لام م Some of you want to keep going, I know. حسيتها؟ Any feedback? You could you could do it for five minutes, ten minutes, whatever you want. يعني in the morning, the evening, before you sleep. Uh, do it alone in the room, otherwise people around you will think you're weird. Yes? But, uh, wallahi, beautiful stuff. And يعني, your own sound, subhanAllah, Allah has given us the capability to heal ourselves through our sound. It's pretty cool, isn't it? Right? And يعني, again, it's one of the mutashabihat, so we don't want to like, conclude in خلاص, alif lam means healing from sound. But, but it's a beautiful discovery, right? It's a beautiful discovery that we can use. It's a tool. And so, I hope you appreciate, inshallah, the uh, first lesson of Surah Al-Baqarah, which is ayah number one, yes? Inshallah, in two weeks, we will continue with the discussion of um, what is kitab, what is raib. And I like to go into depth about definitions, right? <coughs> Defining what is kitab, what is raib, what is huda, what is muttaqeen. So when it comes over again, we can all be on the same page. All right, so I've recorded this session. Inshallah, it's going to be shared with the group. And feel free to share it uh, with family and friends. And uh, not with the authorities. Otherwise, we get in trouble, right? No, no, it's Feel free to share it, everybody. Inshallah, we benefit. This is Quran. We have nothing to be afraid of, nor to be shy about, inshallah. And uh, thank you for coming. And sorry for uh, keeping you late, inshallah. Jazakumullah khair. Assalamu alaikum.